Thank you for joining us today for Armchair Historians. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cannon. Armchair Historians is a Belgian Rabbit production. Stay up to date with us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Wherever you listen to your podcast, that is where you'll find us. You can also find us at armchairhistorians.com. Also, won't you consider becoming a patron of the show? In an effort to keep Armchair Historians commercial-free, I have decided to work with Patreon. Now, if you mosey on over to www.patreon.com backslash armchairhistorians, that's historians with an S, you can find out more about supporting the show and about exclusive patron content that you will have access to. You can chip in anywhere from a dollar to $15 a month or just make a one-time donation. You will be helping me to keep the lights on. And if you can't make a donation, that's totally cool. I just hope you will continue to listen to our free podcast. I recently spoke to YouTube celebrity Julian McDonald. He's the host of Jules Guides. That's J-O-O-L-Z Guides. For more information, go to JulesGuides.com. Julian has over 140,000 followers on his YouTube channel. He was gracious enough to accept my invitation because, as he said, you sounded like a normal person. I'm not so sure about that. As I was doing the introduction in the actual interview, I totally screwed up. I'm so embarrassed because I mispronounced his name as McDonald with a D, even though I had it written down correctly and I knew what it was. So embarrassing. Anyway, so I went back and recorded the introduction post-interview. So without any further ado, our guest today is Julian McDonald. Julian is an actor, filmmaker, and YouTube channel celebrity from London. He has appeared in television, commercials, stand-up comedy, street entertainment shows, and he even ran away with the circus once. Julian is an award-winning documentary filmmaker. His films include My Evil Trade and my personal favorite, Take Me to Pitcairn. He has a degree in philosophy from the University of Manchester, speaks Italian and French. He's a musician who plays piano, guitar, and sings. Julian also ran his own radio show on Riverside FM in Hammersmith and Fulham, as well as doing voiceover work and audiobooks. He has his own production company, Julesy Productions. His YouTube channel, Jules Guides, that's J-O-O-L-Z, Guides, boasts 140,000 followers and has a regular slot on The Londonist. Jules Guides features Julian donning bowler hat, umbrella in hand, wearing a vintage tailored jacket and skillfully tied cravat, showing viewers around London. The show is described as many videos which take you on some unusual London walks to all the places you wouldn't find in your average guidebook. Not only are they informative, Julian draws upon his mad performance skills to make them quite entertaining. Jules Guides is not your normal travel videos by any stretch of the imagination. Julian McDonald, welcome and thank you for being here. 
Oh, well, that, that was quite some introduction. Goodness. I mean, I think the, what you've actually done there is you found a lot of information from my um, <laughs> from my website, which I must have written a long time ago when I was trying to impress everybody. And you know when you know when you're trying to buff up your CV and you write loads of stuff in it and say, "Well, yeah. I've got the radio station and all this stuff." What uh -huh. do you do? What do you want to do? I, I'm afraid I haven't revised or anything, so you'll just have to tell, ask me what you want to know. Okay. I well, first of all, how are you doing in lockdown? I'm all right. Yeah, it's not too bad. It's quite a nice day. Been writing a book, you know, so oh. actually quite. It, it's not vastly different from how life normally is. Oh, okay. Mm. Um, what are you writing? Uh, it's just something to go with the, with the videos, like a London guidebook. Oh, okay, cool. I really enjoyed London Lockdown. So at the time of the interview, London Lockdown was the most recent installment of Jules Guides, in which Julian takes us for a little walk along the River Thames in London. Sands his camera guy during the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic lockdown. Oh, thank you very much. That's good. It was, wow. um, I was there a year ago at this very time, and it was nothing like what it looked like in lockdown. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. It's actually quite nice now, you know. So I quite like it all, like, empty and, uh, you know, I haven't been feeling 100%, so I've, uh, but uh, that's a bit annoying. But, uh, yeah, it's just really pleasant without loads of people in the streets and out of the cars and all the nice unpolluted air. It's stressful going to do shopping, though. Oh, isn't it? Like, yeah. Not nice going into shops with other people. Are you freaked out about the germs and all that? Or do you wear a mask? No, I don't wear a mask. But, yeah, I mean, uh, no, one, no one wants to catch it, you know. Yeah, well, we were sick. My boyfriend works for... Um, one of the ski areas in Colorado here and he got sick and we think he probably had it, but of course there's no test. So we don't, we don't yeah. know. We're hoping Same to minute, get you know, no idea whether you got it or not. Yeah. He had all the symptoms though. Unfortunately he didn't, you know, get really, really sick, but, and I didn't have any symptoms. Mm -hmm. Knock on wood. <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, would yes. be... How can I help you? Let's 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 do this thing. The question that I'm going to ask you, and I have no idea what you're going to say, is, uh, what is your favorite history? <laughs> my, my favorite period of history. Just history in general, whether it's a person, a place, an event, time play, time oh. period. Oh, gosh, it's difficult. It's difficult to say. I I rather like. There's a couple. There's a few of them. I rather like um, King Charles II. I think it might have something to do with the fact that we, we actually have some sort of record of it, you know, like as in first-hand account because of Samuel Pepys. I, I'm, by the way, I'm not really an expert historian or anything. In, in case you think I am, I'm not. I'm just a bloke who makes films about London. I don't really... Well, and that's kind of... That's what I'm trying to do with the um, new podcast is to... Talk to people who like certain things about history, who get excited about history. I yeah. my first interview was with a historian, but um, and he's one of my best friends, and we he's really got a great sense of humor. So right there, I'm referring to episode one, which is in three parts. And if you have not listened to it already, I highly recommend it. I had the pleasure of speaking to 
Kevin Kuharik, who is the executive director of the Hotel de Paris Museum in Georgetown, Colorado. I'm just interested in people who are interested in history, talking yeah, about well, history. I, London. I, I like I like London history, I suppose. I mean, that's because I live here and I, I like wandering around and looking at things which are weird or sticking out of a wall or some strange sort of monuments that not everyone's ignoring and just things like that. I like thinking about all the people who are now dead who have drank in the same pub as as me you know it's uh, those pubs are very historical I, I like those things and um and yeah the time around uh, Charles II because I mean he was um he was quite fun I think he was quite I don't know I don't really know too much about him so maybe you can just tell me well what well know. what happened was is that they chopped his his dad King Charles the first there was this revolution and they chopped his head off um, and then they had this bloke called Oliver Cromwell, who was uh, in charge of something called the Commonwealth, I think they called it. Um, and that was for about 10 years or so. We had this kind of Commonwealth. We didn't have a king. Um, anyway, so he started acting a bit like a king, um, I think. And um, and they all got fed up with him in the end. And I think they got rid of Hold on, Oliver Cromwell, because he was so miserable. He he broke down the Glo- Shakespeare's Globe Theatre because he didn't like. The, he, they were puritanical. They didn't like uh, theatres. They didn't like having fun. He didn't like breweries. He didn't like beer. I don't think. I don't know. It just, it What's just the like, point? Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and uh, anyway, so they uh, they got rid of him. I think he ended up being hanged in the end. I think they hanged him. Oh, well, I know. Well, well, but then. Then they decided to reinstate King Charles II, and King Charles II was was a lot of fun, and he he liked to go out. So he opened up all the theatres, and he did um, yeah, played lots of games, and uh, had lots of mistresses, and he was a uh, yeah. It was like getting rid of prohibition. Yeah, exactly. It was party time, and he had those lovely those lovely dogs as well, the King Charles Spaniels, which are named after him, and. Um, and uh, and actually, and, and it's just interesting, well, because it was so long ago, when was it? Oh, my God, 1600s, in, in the 1600s. And um, we got Samuel Pepys, this famous bloke who wrote a diary around that mm-hmm. time. Um, and he, he writes all about the fire of London, the great fire of London that happened around then, the plague, which is quite apt at the moment. The was, so plague. was Charles King when the um, fire happened? yeah. He also writes about the time when they dug up Oliver Cromwell's body. That's why I don't think Oliver Cromwell was actually hanged originally, but because oh, they he's... hated him so much afterwards, they exhumed, exhumed his body that's right. okay. and then they posthumously hanged him yeah. at Highburn Gallows. Right. And, um, and Samuel Pepys uh, um, writes an account of this, this hanging of a dead corpse she says was pretty grim um so he yeah that's a nice nice time uh well i mean <laughs> fun time in history there's lots of characters yes there's a character called um john will i think he's called john wilmot the earl of rochester he was actually played by johnny depp in a film called the libertine have you ever seen oh, the film yeah the yeah 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 he was a great poet and uh he he used to write lots of uh um, satirical poems and rude, bawdy poems about the royal family. But um, King Charles quite liked him, actually. He actually, he famously had a bunch of people beaten up. Uh, yeah, he, there was a, another poet called John Dryden, 
he he got a load of his mates to beat him up in a, in, a, in an alleyway in Covent Garden. <laughs> I just like the fact that the, the, these things all happened around that time, and it's just it just seemed very decadent and um, well, a lot of things you could make a film out of anyway. What about it stuck struck a chord with you? A lot of the stories, whenever I'm wandering around London and finding out something interesting or fun that happened, because I I only like I like to make videos about stuff if there's a fun anecdote to tell. And whenever there's an anecdote to tell, I, I always look at it and then I discover that it happened during the time of King Charles II, which I, I just find <laughs> there's so many things about it. Like, for example, his he he, uh, he he had so many mistresses and he had that mistress called Nell Gwynn, who was a famous actress at the time. Our royal family always like um, getting together with actresses for some reason. So uh, we've got the Duke of Cambridge at the moment yeah. with one. We had uh, King Edward the Seventh. He he went off with uh, with Lily Langtry. He was an act. She was an actress. And oh yeah, and then there was uh, Ed King Edward the Eighth, who abdicated over. I oh, know she wasn't oh, yeah. an actress. She, she was an American. But, she was uh, an American. Close enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, then so I like, um, but I like the fact that he he, he had, for example, that there was that there's a house in in Pall Mall. All the houses in Pall Mall on one side of the road, they all belong to the crown. Um, except one house because King Charles's uh, number 79 Pall Mall let's see King Charles's uh, mistress she wanted a house near, near near the palace and so he gave her that one um but she said no no wait a minute I want to own it outright I want to own the whole you know freehold Smart. of the property I don't I want to know I'm not just like a lease because he gave her a long lease on the property and she said, "No, no. Otherwise, you know, you give me a give me the freehold. Otherwise, I'm no more nookie." And uh, <laughs> and so he he had to convey it to her by act of parliament. Um, and uh, and then it it got passed down through her family and then sold off or whatever. And uh, so uh, it's not then, it's that, not in her family anymore. I don't think it's in her family anymore. But I think but but it's no longer in the in the royal family's um, collection. So it's it's no it's quite a unique house. And she also. She yes, she had he fathered many illegitimate children and one one day I think he was playing with the child, um, and King Charles was was present and she said come over here you little bastard, and the king said well why did you call our son that and he said she she said well because you haven't given him a proper title you you I have to call him a bastard which is what which is what he is and um, so the king ended up saying. Uh, oh, okay. I'll call him the, the Duke of St Albans or something. So I think they all became dukes and had got these titles. All his bastard sons. She was um, a savvy woman. I like her. Yeah, yeah. Well, she was cool. She was funny. <laughs> That's fun, what I fun. like about your videos is that, and it's what you just said. It's you know, it draws you in. You know about history, and what just clicked with me when you were talking is there's that you talk about stuff in a humorous way, and uh, it keeps me engaged it's not one of those dry boring you know <laughs> tourism videos and um so yeah that makes a lot of sense and I, I like you know the fact that you pick unseen parts of uh London that you wouldn't see and there, there's so many of them isn't there like I've been I lived in uh, London in 2012 and I walked every single day sometimes the same way but I always found something new to look at and to be curious about that's what I love about London. So, someone wrote to me yesterday that um, I think it was one of my subscribers. They said Charles Dickens he, he he used to do that. He walked around London so much, and that that 
and he knew it so well that if he if he saw a new piece of orange peel on the ground, he'd he'd, he'd take notes of it. <laughs> so I suppose the Victorians is the other time. Yeah, they, they, because Victorian London, it, a lot of the buildings are still here from Victorian London, and you can see um, evidence of it, especially if you look upwards. You see all these nice old old buildings and. Uh, I, and and we set, we see so many films and so we're so familiar with things like Charles Dickens, Oliver Twist, and things like that. Um, that when you walk past one of these places, it's just really it's really fascinating <laughs> to see that they actually existed in full color back then. They weren't black and white kind of um, funny Charlie Chaplin style walking funny. They were real places. So there's I recently was walking along and I found them. Um, the, the the original workhouse where where um, Oliver Twist was based on the workhouse that Oliver was sent to, and it's you know, still he, there. Uh, no, it's been turned into luxury flats, I think. But, uh, but is it is it the original building? I think the building is still there. Yeah. Wow. Um, and there's lots of these. The other one where Charlie Chaplin was was with his parent with his mum. Um, that that I go to that one in my video about. Later on in the interview, we'll talk more in depth about the time that Julian took two of Charlie Chaplin's grandchildren on a tour of Charlie Chaplin's London, basically. So not only did he take him on a tour, he actually made an episode which was released January 19th, 2020 on his YouTube channel, and it's called Charlie Chaplin Tour, I believe. Hands down, it to date is my favorite Jules Guides episode. I go there I, with Charlie. Ch- I, I, I know. I, I just watched your whole catalog. Bob and I just watched it this weekend. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, 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 that's so interesting to go because that was in Victorian times that he was there. I mean, yeah, he was late the, Victorian. Um, and, and to go there with his grandchildren and and see this kind of place which is real to them you know we're looking at a, a building which is now the cinema museum but they're looking at it and going well my grandfather yeah. had to go into this workhouse and they were really grim horrible places and um and it's just like you see in all these Sherlock Holmes films and these um um Charles Dickens stories I I don't know it look it's just it's just uh, my my history is just not particularly accurate I don't I don't care if I make the um get the wrong dates or something so i keep getting distracted because i'm in front of a window and people walk past and wave at me and stuff um but uh yeah it's not to do with that for me i don't care whether it was in 1898 on the 4th of july i don't have to be accurate about it for me it's just interesting that some bloke called john uh came down here and he uh you know chopped someone's head off in this alleyway um it's things like that that for me and that and that's where I come from my history because so my background is I have a master's degree in creative and professional writing I also love history so my uh thesis my master's thesis was a work of historical fiction because then you can take liberties right you can you can make the story more interesting and um so I I live in a town in Colorado. It's a National Historic Landmark District. And what you were saying, it's not the same because we don't have this, you know, we don't go back before 1859, but the town was founded in 1859. We have over 240 buildings 
in our town that are protected. So when you come to this town, you feel like you've been dropped back into the Wild West, maybe a little bit more avant-garde town. But um, And I moved here for no other reason than I liked the way it felt, and I liked that I could walk around here. And it's kind of not on the same level as London, but I'm always seeing new things and always finding out new history. And uh, so I started a walking tour business. I do tours, which uh, the pan- pandemic has put the kibosh on. But so oh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Well, if I come over there, I'll take a tour with you. I love to do stuff. I, I, I like American history. I don't know much about it. I'm, I'm, but whenever I'm there, if someone says to me, hey, this is where this happens, you know, I, I want to go to the OK Corral, you see. I know that well, yeah. it's not a particularly interesting place. It, <laughs> it, it, apparently yeah. it's just some tiny little, uh, I don't know, corner. But um, but just the fact that it's so famous, I'd, I'd love to go there just because I've seen so many films about it, you know. But so when you give a tour, you have to you have to engage your, um, you know, the people that come on your tour or else it's I mean, have you ever bombed on a tour? Well, you know, f- fortunately, uh, you see, I, I'm not really a tour guide. I'm not really anything. I, I don't quite know what I am. I, I, I The thing is, I just do the tours because people want me to. And so for yeah. me, it seems more like people just want to meet me. Um, that. that the, the the idea of the videos is not to be a tour guy. It, it's to be entertaining. So I, I, I want to be a TV presenter. That's what I've always wanted to do. I just started doing these so I could prove to these stupid people in TV land that I can do it. Um, and, yeah. um, and then I've ended up just finding that, well, actually, why wait for some spotty 21-year-old to come and ruin my idea when actually I've got an audience already waiting for me who already appreciate what I do um so a lot of people who come on a tour um it's almost like the hard work is already done sometimes I'll just go over a route which they've seen in a video already they know all the facts about it they just want to be with me sort of laughing and joking half the time they want to talk my sister says the secret is to keep them talking if, if someone else, people love to talk so if, if you go on a tour with somebody get them talking about something and um by the end of it, they think that they feel like they've had a really good time because they've they've been talking so much. That's a really um, good point. I'm going to remember that. Uh, so I I was doing the straight history tours, but somebody told me, oh, you should do ghost tours. People like ghost tours. Yeah. The ghost tours. I sell so many more ghost tours than I do the other. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why. Everyone always asks me for those as well, but I just don't know about it. And the thing is, if I'm not interested in a topic, I just tell people keep asking me for Harry Potter tours. And I say, well, look, I know I've done a video about it, but I'm not interested in Harry Potter, so I wouldn't right. I wouldn't be fun. To, you, you're better off going with one of the experts, you know. Um, but you're you've got your work cut out a bit more when doing a tour because, like, all I have to do is walk along some route that I already know, and I'll just point to a few things, laugh and joke, and complain about my health the whole time because that's all I, all I ever do. But um, whereas with you, you you don't know the person already, right. so. You know, you have a lot of work to do. So you've got to win their trust and favor. Right. Um, whereas I don't. They already feel like they know me because they've seen. How so did you develop your following? Uh, I just I just started uploading videos. That's all. That was it, really. I've just I don't know what happened. It's it's really taken off in about in the last twelve months. It's gone crazy. I mean, I've got one hundred forty thousand subscribers I now. I, I I don't Congratulations. know. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. I, I don't know how that happened. I mean, before, I mean, really, about two years ago, I was on something like 5,000. It was crazy. It was, but, I mean, 
look, I, I'm not particularly surprised in that I I think my videos are good. I mean, I, great. I, I know great. That and I, and I think videos. what you said before about you don't talk about what you don't you don't uh, talk about things that you're not interested in, and that's apparent. It's your enthusiasm and the humor, all that comes across in what you do. Well, yeah, I, I also edit out anything that's you know even uh and um I edit out. I, I mean, do I, too, I don't yeah. want I don't want and I want to just to, it to be an interesting film, you know, just something to keep your attention and, and to watch it. Now I yeah anyway I, I want it to be interesting and um they 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 take a lot of time to make. I mean it looks like they're just sort of rattled out, but they are, take ages. How long to does edit. it take? How long does it take for you to do the editing to do? The it all depends film. on the type of video. I mean even that one that I did this weekend, which actually had a lot of old videos in it, so I just chucked in old clips. Mm -hmm. Even that one took. I, I mean, love the narration, by the way. The narration was uh, brilliant. Yeah, when you see that. We're going to stop here for today with the Julian McDonald interview, but be sure to tune in next week for part two when he tells us about the time that two of Charlie Chaplin's grandchildren took a tour around London with him. And he tells us about the time he was a contestant on the show Blind Date. We still have our Kid Wisdom segment coming up, so don't go away. Today we'll be talking to Liam, who's nine years old and lives in Denver, Colorado. Because you're doing a podcast? That's all I've heard? Yep, yep. Do you know what the podcast? what a podcast is? You could say almost like a show, except you don't really see anybody. They're just talking about some particular that's subject. Exact, that's exactly right. It's a, it's something you listen to. My show is about history. Mm -hmm. Do you do you know what history is? Yes. Um, history is um thing. There's like events that happened in the past, like a million years from now. This will probably be history, like the coronavirus. Um, is spreading across like everywhere 2020 mm -hmm. that's right that's exact that's actually you said it better than I could have said it I have three basic questions that I'm going to ask you if I have questions when you're after you answer the questions I'll ask you more questions okay, okay. do you have any questions for me before we start I'm afraid not that's fine that's great if you have a question in the middle of it then that's totally cool too um, and you can't say anything wrong. Everything you say is going to be fine. Okay. So my first question for you is a question that I ask all my guests on the show. And it is, what is your favorite history? Um, I would say maybe the Titanic. The Titanic? What's the Titanic? Um, the Titanic was one of the biggest steamliners of the early um, 20th century. And and so what do you like about that story, that history? Well, I like historical machinery, and the Titanic is by far one of the most biggest machines ever documented in history. Really? Wow. So um, tell me, tell me about the Titanic. What do you know about it? Well, I know that it was a English ocean liner owned by the White Star Line, a ship company, and it hit an iceberg on, I think it was April 15th, 
1912. Some people say it was 18 or April 19th, 1912, but um, I think that's just because some other historical like thing happened. I think it was the, I think my dad called it the Oklahoma bombing. Oh, so people get those two events confused because they happen so close together. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, it hit an iceberg that time. And the Titanic's actually um, one of the things that um, helps um like modern ships these days be so safe because like that um, accident helped um, both English and American governments realize that they need to be safer. Liam is really smart, in case you haven't noticed, and he has a huge vocabulary for a nine-year-old. He obviously knows a lot about the topic of which he speaks. As I watch him through the computer screen, it's it's like I can see, I can almost see this battle between his advanced for his age intellect and his sweet little kid persona. The image of him and the words coming out of his mouth are incongruous in some ways. Wow. So what happened when it hit the iceberg? Well, um the impact of the iceberg, so, you know, you can only see an iceberg from the top, but there's actually a lot of it on the bottom. So the impact of the iceberg um, scraped the side of the Titanic for a few seconds. The reason why it sunk is because when the iceberg scraped, it loosened the bolts that hold, held the plates together. Luckily, the crew had put the fires out well, before they reached the boilers. They did have, like, safety doors, but they couldn't close fast enough. If I was in that situation, I would just chop the rope that was, like, holding the doors. Gotcha. Slowly. So you, you've given a lot of thought to how you would act if you were in that situation. Yeah. Um, everybody's instinct was more of to go up to the boat deck to try to see the iceberg. but And that's, like, um not really how you see if it's sinking or not. Um, Some people actually went down to the doorway of the engine room, and they looked in it, and there was water. And this was like a few, maybe an hour or two after um, the iceberg hit the Titanic. And those people who were smart enough to um, check in the engine room know it was going to sink. And actually, the builder of the Titanic was on that ship. And he, and he didn't even want to, like, get out. He was just because everybody called it the unsinkable ship. And guess what happened? It sunk on a voyage, which... um. In ship terms means first. For some reason, we had a weird technical blip right there, and we missed a very important point that Liam was making. So I just reiterate. You said it was its maiden voyage, and you were telling me what that meant. Yeah, it means first time out to sea. So like the ship's builder, he had called it unsinkable. And my dad said he wouldn't want to take a trip anywhere in mid-April because Another incident happened in mid-April on the Apollo 13 accident, 1970. Oh, wow. Hmm. So April, the month of April is jinxed. Yep. A little further along in the interview, Liam 
cites a source from which he got most of his information about the Titanic. It was like a um, audio book that was um, that had no. It wasn't taking any liberties with fiction or anything. It was just. It was a nonfiction audio book. It's called A Night to Remember. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's. I think um, I have, but I don't think I've listened to it or read it. So maybe that's something we should check out. I'll put that book in the uh, episode notes so that people can check it out. Okay. And so what else did you want to tell me about the Titanic? Um, the captain's name was Edward. Well, most people just call him called him Captain Smith. So um, Captain Smith was actually um, planning to retire after he um, sailed the Titanic. He actually didn't make it to any of the lifeboats. He didn't even want to. He just he just stood on the bridge, which is like where you steer the ship with the steering wheel, mm-hmm. and waited until the glass on the front of the bridge broke and sent water in. And I think he didn't die. Some people on the Titanic have claimed to see Captain Smith like floating in the water. Were there survivors? So p- some people sunk yes. with the ship and then there yes. were some survivors? Yes. Out of like 2,300 um, people, only 701 survived. Wow. Or at least think, think, think. There might have been more people who survived. I know it was more people who sunk with the ship than the um, people who survived. And the reason that it is because the Titanic did not have enough lifeboats. Surprisingly, the amount of lifeboats wasn't based, or back then wasn't based on the amount of people on the ship, but how big the ship was. Like, if they had different safety rules, more people would have probably survived. So, if there were more lifeboats do you think that more people would have survived yeah and after the titanic sunk they established this patrol kind of like um thing it's like um in the atlantic uh, ocean and arctic ocean they established like this coast guard kind of thing that um monitored conditions in the atlantic ocean so something good came out of a bad thing is what you're saying Yes, you can usually find something good that came out of um, bad things, like um, World War II, that was really bad, but Adolf Hitler was defeated. That was a good thing, I agree. I'm running out of words to say. um, You're doing a great job, I think you're doing a great job. So, was there anything else that you wanted to say about the Titanic? Well, um, yeah, there's one more thing. One of the things why the Titanic actually did sink is because only two of the propellers could reverse. It had three propellers, one one big and two small. Only the two small ones could reverse. And also nature had kind of something to do with it a little because, like, the water was so cold, well, it kind of created an atmosphere. And the lookouts, because they didn't have, like, radar or monitors, they had lookouts, which are people who try to look for danger. Couldn't see the iceberg in time. I actually heard from my audiobook that it was like a different story, that um, they saw the iceberg um, on the horizon. They telephoned the bridge, but the bridge didn't do anything for a while. 
actually, um, they did turn. They they steered the ship, but I think if they had only turned and not put it in reverse, they might have um, made it not sink. And there were some um, pretty brave acts on the Titanic that night. Um, Miss Molly Brown, who is actually from Colorado, she lives in Denver, where I am, and I've actually been to her house. Oh, um, wow. She earned the nickname Unsinkable Molly Brown. The reason why she earned that nickname is because she helped a lot of people to safety in the lifeboat. She did she sur- so did she survive? Yes, she did. And, well, I think that's all. Oh, that's a lot. I've learned a lot from talking about the Titanic with you. So there you have it. Liam's favorite history, the Titanic. Be sure to tune in next week when Liam and I discuss our mutual love of England in double-decker buses. Also, remember to check out our Patreon page, as well as keep up to date with the latest Armchair Historians news on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 